0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to do a code open to this show because this show was actually recorded November of last year. And I was going to put it out, but I just did a show on the Arrowverse as a whole. And then with the looming possibility of Green Arrow and the Canaries coming out, I didn't know if I did not know if uh, it, this would completely date my thoughts on Arrow because it essentially was continuing Arrow. Just without and Mill's Green Arrow. Um, now that it's been officially canceled or not or not picked up, should I say? Um, I think this is appropriate to pay homage to. A, to me, I thought it was a good show. Um, I had some great moments. Seasons one and two were fantastic. And even though I was not going to watch Green Arrow and the Canaries, that definitely was not for my demographic. Um, I just need to make sure that it it got its full proper treatment of a review so anyways without further ado here is this week's Wednesday show it is based off of uh, a review of the Arrow TV series as a whole we we talk about I don't even remember everything that I even spoke about on it because like I said this was recorded so long ago but I, I do know it's about 40 minutes and um yeah let me know what you think I'm AP and I'm your girl Black Mamba and we are the hosts of the hate journals a weekly comedy podcast we know we aren't the only ones that get annoyed by the daily grind and lately there's a lot to be annoyed about and we get it join us each week as we roast and toast all the things that we love to hate nothing is off limits as we rant rave and laugh our way through our own experiences current events and so much more So tune in weekly to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or check us out on our website at thehatejournals.com. That's right, guys. Let us help you get you through your week every week with the Hate Journals podcast. We hope you enjoy. Bye. Bye. what's up everybody welcome to the show i see things a little differently and today as you've seen in the title we're going to review arrow um one of my favorite shows um for better and for worse (laughs) um and the reason why i got into it is we've already reviewed by the time you hear this you you have already well in the uh, archives has been the review of smallville um and I decided to review this because as I was talking during the Smallville review, I realized I could do Arrow. You know, I know I, I show pretty intimately. Um, but just to get some background, I, I, ne- I, I didn't know much about Stephen Amell. I see them in things here and there. But I remember I got into to Arrow right before season three, like right before season three started. I remember remember something happened, and something happened in my personal life, and um, I was stuck at home for like four months, like I just couldn't go out. So for the longest time, I had a Netflix account, and I never actually, I've had a Netflix account since they were doing the DVDs, and I just never used it. How old my Netflix account is, is that they've grandfathered me in to to like five different price zones that's how long i've had my netflix account i just never used it so i started using it then because i just was looking for something and i remember i saw the, the, the season one cover art is Stephen and mill all scarred up no shirt on and the background is arrow and green so let me check this out you know because i remember a couple people told me that that i might like it but I, it wasn't like overwhelming you know like sometimes when you talk to people they're like this is the greatest thing ever. You know, they're giving out free hand jobs or whatever. You, you get what I'm saying? But it wasn't, like, overwhelming. Like I said, just literally, like, one or two people said something to me about it. And like I said, I had to be home for a few months. Well, I started watching it, and and season one and season two are stellar. Like, season one and season two are 10 out of 10s. Season one, uh, you immediately pick up uh, with um, Oliver Queen being... Um, brought back to uh, home from uh, the Queen's Gambit accident, and he's been gone for five years, which is comic book accurate. Um, and you pick right up and you kind of see the, the, the destruction that he left behind in his personal life. He was a playboy. He was dating two different women that were sisters at the time. He had a sister on there. And the sister um and not laurel but uh oh, who was her name because it wasn't dying dinah because dinah is the one that he's more um associated with in the comic books but Di- him and dinah and dinah doesn't actually get um introduced until like season five or six and they have no love connection at all you know it's just she's just the canary um i'm trying to think of matter of fact let's let's look this up Cause that's gonna bother me i, I don't want to say the wrong name the entire time but um let's see let's see let's see <laughs> sarah lance so yeah so like, he was pretty much dating the lance sisters um the white canary and black canary but they weren't that at the time um, by the way, the original person they had as the white canary, they recasted to uh, the one they ended up having. I think her name was like, let me get her real name really fast. I don't actually mind doing this. I, I first thought it would bother me like me doing this on air, but if you guys are listening, you guys are listening, right? Um, this Katie Cassidy was black canary, but who became white, yeah, so white canary is Katie Lutz, but that she wasn't the original Sarah Lance. It was one character, she played it one time for the flashback of when the Queen's Gambit went under. Um, the thing about season one that I loved was uh, how dark it was. Season one and season two were very dark. And even though they had episodes where you knew it was filler, it was still so much growing because that's a problem i have with cw shows the ones that last 24 22 23 episodes which is why i'm so surprised that they're canceling black lightning because black lightning is just isn't one of those shows i can't say i've ever of the was it going three seasons now i don't think i've seen too much filler f any from black lightning because they can you really afford it you know, when you have twelve episodes, sixteen episodes, every episode has to hit. Now it's slow and plotting, but that's a TV series on network television. When you have that many episodes, it's gonna be slow and plotting, you know. But every episode means something. But to me, season one, season two, everything felt important. Um, and even if you kind of knew what, like the secret identity, the first one, you don't, you think you don't know who the archer is, the, the mystery archer that that made uh, Arrow lose his. Uh, Oliver Queen lose, kind of loses confidence for a couple episodes. But you you know in the grand scheme of things, because there's so many things, so many um hints being dropped. Because CW is not necessarily known for uh, being too complex. They can get you from time to time. And to me, when they were at their best was season one and season two. And once again, it was so different from Smallville, even though I saw it in reverse I can see how people fell in love. So Arrow was a victim of his own success. It's kind of, the best way I can see uh, Arrow is like a football player, right? A running back will have two great seasons where they're getting 1,600 yards, they're leading the league, they get 5.3 yards a carry, and they go in to get that big contract. Now, all of a sudden, defense is like, nah, we're going to let this quarterback beat us. Uh, we, you ain't going to beat us no more. We're tired of you running over us. So now for the next two or three seasons, it's not as easy, you know. Even if, you know, even though it's not easy already, it's it's not coming. Those holes are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Everyone's just focused in on you. That's what happened as we evolved into these discs. But we'll get there in a second. But to me, season one was more of a learning a learning curve for the fans because you're you're learning these new characters. And remember, as I said in the Smallville review. The dc still had etiquette at this time where they couldn't use a lot of characters you know said they lifted that I think around season six or seven i would say season seven is when they finally lifted that so you could use more so even though they were allowed to use characters like rachel ghoul and damian dark well to me i take rachel ghoul out of this but damian dark was really a. the masses don't know who damian dark is they may know now but they didn't know who he was before, the, even, and even in the masses don't know who Rachel Ghul is, because even the, the anime cartoon Doom, which I should review, it's a pretty badass uh, DC anime cartoon. Um, Doom is based off the Tower of Babel, where in the Tower of Babel comic book, that's Rachel Ghul, and Doom is Vandal Savage. So they they, sw- they switched it up, you know. So I w- maybe you have to throw Rachel Ghul in there um i guess you do now that now that i'm thinking about it but anyway season one and season two were very, very they were victims of their own success they were those seasons that were too good and to me if you just watch those two seasons i think you're set you don't have to binge watch it because even though it's pretty consistent i can see people getting tired because here's the thing also now you hit get into season three and season three now you start having the crossovers with the flashes and all this other stuff. Now here's the issue. I don't think the first couple of crossovers are a big deal, but as they the crossovers evolved, you you don't want to watch Arrow and see the Arrow part of Crisis on Infinite Earths or Earth X, and you're, you're going to be so lost because it really is nothing. It has nothing but something to do with the story. And also in season seven, much like Flash's season five, it's all based around crisis. Like once these characters know a crisis on infinite earth is coming, their whole seasons is based around setting up for that big event. So even though there's these side stories and I'm all over the place, I know, but follow me for a second. Even though there's these side stories, the overall theme becomes those crossovers. So, to, but to me, if you just want to see good television, yeah, you're gonna have some love stories and it's, it's going to be CW. Uh, spoiler alert. However, um, if you want to see good television, good acting, I think you will enjoy Seasons 1 and Season 2 with some surprises in there. You know, like, like and anybody who listens to this knows I don't do spoilers. So If, you, if I'm reviewing it, I'm telling pivotal parts of the story. Uh, you know, Finding out that Malcolm Merlin, uh, his best friend's dad, is the Dark Archer, and he's, he used to be a part of the League of Assassins and all this other stuff. And you're like, Okay, that's cool. I remember watching season one, and even though in the back of my mind I figured he was the Dark Archer because something was off about him, I, I I still was willing to let my imagination run to other characters. Now, what I didn't see coming at the end of season one was his best friend dying. And even though his best friend has made sporadic appearances here and there, and at the end of the, at the end of the series, he's actually now alive again because they rebooted the Earth. Um, to me, that was a major loss for the show. Um, I think that could have been like where Foggy is to Daredevil in the Daredevil show, except a little less annoying. I think it's uh, that's a problem I've always had with when they make things live action. They make the best friend kind of annoying in television, but but I've noticed in in the movies they make them supportive. To me, that's what that's a trope they need to get over. Because in the day, most people would be like a net a net leaks. But most people would be like a genki. They're gonna be more supportive of anything, and that will be kind of like the angel on their shoulder, telling them when to back off and when they need to sh- slow it down. You know what I'm saying? Um. So season one, that was the way they left us, is with you know Tommy Merlin dying, and you're like, holy crap, you know. So the the whole season one is about uh oliver queen coming back from the island to avenge his father's loss and he has this book and it's filled with all these people that failed the city that's where that famous term comes of you have failed this city um and uh, his whole crusade is about that but then he finds out an overarching narrative where there's a called a thing called the undertaking in the glades where they're going to completely Destroy the glades, which is another version of gentrification. They're going to completely stru- destroy the, the glades and start over. Now, there's still millions of people in the glades. So the, he has to try to stop it. But he ends up finding out along the way his mom's a part of the conspiracy. Like, there's so many powerful people a part of it, including his dad, you know, who, who gave him the book and who gave his life and killed someone else uh, yeah. in order to uh let his son live. Because he said, hey, look here. You need to right my wrongs, you know, which is a huge burden to put on your kid. You know what I'm saying? Just be a better person, man. Um, but anyways, um, so it, it becomes this overarching thing the whole entire time. Can he stop it? And he doesn't stop it. Now, this would be a trope they would depend on for the next two to four. Seasons Two, one through four, there were these life-changing events at the end of it where they're always trying to destroy... Um, the city you know and so for me that became kind of a trope they leaned on a little too much that they did get away from that in seasons five on um at the same time though it was long-term storytelling because the deeper meaning with all this was it was a league of assassins and that's what the league of assassins does so especially once they start incorporating after season two, they, they really incorporated more of the League of Assassins. So, seasons three and four were all about the League of Assassins and the, the fallout from that organization. So, you kind of noticed that like seasons one through four, if you look at it in, in that scheme of things, it was really based off the League of Assassins because Malcolm Merlin was a part of the League of Assassins, which is to destroy cities and rebuild them. Uh, and the image of whichever you want it to be in, right? So, as I sat back and I looked, and this is the first time I've ever even really, like, reviewed um, this show and thought about it. I mean, there was one time I wrote something. It was a long, really long message, message to Jonathan Esther on Facebook Messenger. Because after season uh, well, after season six, they had this big blow-off and they were starting over again. Well, after season five, excuse me. Because what they incorporated in the first five seasons were these flashbacks in season seven and season eight, they incorporated flash forwards. But sometimes I would dare say in seasons three, four, and half of five, those flashbacks made no sense. They were really random. They were really forced. There was only a few of them that I can remember off the top of my head that were super cool. Like when he had Constantine uh, do a, a, a one arc episode, which I love Matt Ryan who plays uh, Constantine um I'm actually waiting for legends of tom- uh, of tomorrow just to completely die out and I'm gonna binge watch their entire series I've never seen a minute of their series so I'm actually waiting for them just to completely whenever they cancel um, I would cause I think all those shows are moving from Netflix to HBO Max I'll get like I'll, I'll get HBO Max for a couple months just to binge watch that because i've heard nothing but great things about that series like people they say after the first season after like the first half of the first season it's just boom like to me said the same way i feel about agents of shield another show i can i can probably review as well once you got to winter soldier in that movie drop which then comes like three-fourths into the uh first season of agents of shield then boom things just kicked into overdrive and it was awesome throughout the entire way. In my opinion, especially once you start getting reveals about who people were and and stuff like that, and to me, um, that 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 makes those shows kind of special. But to me, those flashbacks—the point of me saying that—is the fleet's flashbacks held the show back, in my opinion, in season three and four, and even like to halfway through five. Like I said, once you get to the end of five and you start seeing different things, because five was so pivotal, because five was them really restarting everything, and really five was the fallout of the green arrow becoming the oliver queen becoming the green arrow for the last five years in star city and i reason i finally had the name star city Uh, and um him kind of paying for his his sins so to speak so like, like for like next two seasons it's all he's doing is really paying for his sins and all these other kind of things, but like I said, season one ends with that banger. Boom. So you're like, holy crap, where do you go from here? So since season two picks up, and by the way, Felicity Smoke is not a character in the comic books. Now she will be forever in the comic books, but she was supposed to be a character similar to that of Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad to where they were only supposed to be used seldomly. Actually, I believe Jesse Pinkman was supposed to be killed off in like season one, episode four, but they liked the chemistry. Same thing with Felicity Smoke, uh, uh, Emily Beck-Rickards, who played that role to to perfection. And I actually have a funny story about me meeting Stephen Amell and Emily Beck-Rickards. i never told anybody. I'm going to tell it at the end of this, if I remember. I have a bad memory. Um, But Felicity Smoke was supposed to be, I think she was supposed to be a character that was only supposed to be on for like 10 episodes. But they loved the chemistry, so they made her part of Team Arrow. Once she became part of Team Arrow, then she just became boom. Uh, what she became, she became a, a megastar for this for their show. Um, but like you have, um, you you had he's got funny text messages which just threw me the complete off. This is why my phones are off. Do I want to record shows? Um, but that's so season one, you see him building up with John Diggle, who essentially. He's not Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me doing air quotes, but he's Jon Stewart, you know. Um, There's so many things teased from season one until the final moment when you see him get that Green Lantern ring that, like, you know who he is at the beginning. But he's building his team, whatever, it's just these three at first, you know, and then season two, it begins to grow more. Um, as he reveals his secret to more and more people. Uh, but I think like, it's more of season three, season four kind of thing. But anyway, season one to me is stellar. To me, the, the world building as you get to learn Star City. Uh, it does come off as very much uh, villain of the week-ish. Um, the first, I want to say eight to nine episodes. Once they introduce the Dark Archer. Then it's more of rec- you see more characters come back recurring. You see um, uh, more more people who I, who he's, he's already put away, but like he put them away, but now they got out. So, so you, see, you see some you see some recurring themes once again, and I get that a lot of people didn't like the fact that he came off as Batman light in this, and unfortunately that was gonna be the thing that they always did because so. uh, Thomas S. Goyer. I might be saying that name wrong. Let me, see, let, me look, let me look this up. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Cause so I want to get this right. Cause um, I just saw this like this morning, which is why I wanted to record this show. There was a script a long time ago by somebody else. Um. Let me, give me a second. Try to find that. I believe it was Thomas S. Goyer. And if I'm wrong, you, you guys will email me. I know that. So it was just fine. But he came up with a script many years ago called Greenland. For a movie. Greenland. I'm just Green Arrow movie. Called Escape from Supermax. And... He was pushing this out to theaters or to studios. The whole whole idea of it was Green Arrow, Oliver Queen would be outed as Green Arrow. And he would be put in Supermax with some of the biggest villains ever that he's put away. And um, eventually, by the end of the movie, he would escape. But at the end of the film, he never gets his innocence back. So now he's a true vigilante because he's now escaped, but he had to go through hell they actually used a lot of that in season seven or season eight. It was season eight when he was locked up. So season eight. Um, But like season seven or season eight, eight, whenever he was locked up, but like they use a lot of that, those ideas in that script, you know? And it's like one of those things, and this script was, this script was floating around. Shoot, dude. I think it's our, I think I heard about this script in like 2010. And it was earlier than that. Like there was some, We could actually do an entire show about previous DC films that were gonna be made, but for whatever reason they weren't. But for whatever reason they didn't get made, you know. Um, Which is why they had DC at that the etiquette at the time: hey, you cannot use this character and this character and this character, you know, because they just they just just wouldn't allow. Because they had these big plans for these movies. Um, But like they use a lot of like old scripts that I remember reading and hearing about before in this show already, you know, so it wasn't fully Batman light people just, I think now you you have YouTube and stuff so you can look this stuff up, but I don't think people realize how many scripts were made for a green arrow film. Yeah. It surprised me too, but there were a lot of people who were trying to, there's still a plastic man film that they they've been trying to develop since two thousand one. Green Arrow is way more popular than Plastic Man, but but uh, there is a lot of stuff in here that was not meant to be Batman light, But because Green Arrow was so gritty, so dark, no one has any other way of explaining it besides saying Batman. Now, in fairness, in the comic books, they do him no favor. His 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 hideout is the Arrow Cave. You know, yeah, it's yeah that's. That just is what it is, um, but there are plenty of instances like semi season one, season two. He was he was Green Arrow, you know, even before because season three he hasn't announced himself as Green Arrow until season one's premiere. But he was the he was the the archer, or the hood before then. Season one, season two, he was a Green Arrow. He wasn't Batman. Now, once you start incorporating in season three, Rachel Gould, Damian Dark, all these people who are associated with Batman or the Bat Family. I can't argue with that, and I don't want to argue with that. But uh, as you get to the climax of season one, he does not stop the undertaking. He does not save his best friend, um, who he just had falling out with, I believe. And his best friend was dating Laurel, and he didn't sex with Laurel. And he has a lot of sex with a lot of different women in this in this, in this series. He was the effing man. Um, season one comes to a grim conclusion. Season two starts with him back on uh, Liam Yu. Uh, which is uh, uh, Purgatory and Mandarin. They do the first five seasons, rely way too much on Liam Yu. Like, he goes to Liam Yu for vacation. You, you know, it's just, it's, and it's and it's a part of the reason why they did what they did at the end of season five when they blew it up. I completely understood it. And I remember, because I I, this is how into the show I was, uh, I remember just any piece of literature I could get on it, I would read. And just seeing, like, the showrunners saying, oh, yeah, we, we know we've done this too much. We know we've done this too much, blah, blah, blah. But once again, I don't, even though they were never a monster in the numbers, CW shows aren't a monster in the numbers. They usually average between 1 to 5 million or 1 to 3 million viewers. So if they're getting that, it's worth it. Like, I believe um, the reboot of Now 210, the owner of the CW the reason why they had a final season is because he said, no, we give our fans conclusions. Whether they like the conclusions or not is up to them. We give them conclusions. And I believe the numbers on that, this is why I know this, I believe the numbers on it, I believe they weren't even cracking half a million, or they may have been just over half a million. Arrow was constantly over a million viewers. And if you count in the DVR numbers, I believe it was closer, closer to 2, or 2.5. Um, so, and The Flash is a huge hit, you know, and I that show is so hard to to review and i would really need to go back and watch because i don't think i've even seen last season yet i know i've seen pieces of last season but i don't think i've gotten to the crux of it yet yeah i, I, I would need to look on my netflix and see but i remember watching some of it because i had to see w App for a minute um but anyways that, that show is so convoluted and complex with the let's go back in our town let's go jerk off sunny kiss or sunny g or sunny g, sunny b or sunny he or whatever you know what I'm saying it's like it's so it's so much going on i would need to really get back in that mindset of that um but season 2 picks up he's on Liam U and uh, uh Felicity and Diggle go pick him up they say that, hey, man, your mom's going on trial. She's admitted to being a part of the Undertaker. She needs you. Because he's still, at this point, rich. Now, he does lose his um his his wealth in this. I can't think of, a, I was trying to, for the life of me, and I, I think I asked Jonathan Esther this before. I don't remember what the answer was, though. I don't remember an actual comic book where he lost his wealth. By the end of season two, he's lost his wealth um and he also becomes governor and all this other stuff and i can see why they didn't want to lean on his wealth but that's a huge part of his story and to me that's what they did in smallville they definitely let him do it so that's probably why they wanted to move away from that because even though he wasn't the main character on smallville he was very essential in certain and certain seasons so they probably didn't want to show the same stories over and over well anyways uh, season two is pretty much now uh this, this, you no know, starcy's gonna be taken over again and you don't know who, you assume the big bad is blood this entire the entire season then after a while you realize huh someone's kind of pushing his buttons and then the more and more you see the flashbacks see, season one season two's flashbacks were perfection they were perfection at their best they were slow burning there were some episodes where I was like, dude, get back to the flashback because I need to see what I need to see what's going on right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need to see what is good with that flashback. Season one, season two, those flashbacks were perfection, but they had a villain or or a potential villain in those. The, uh, let me think. Of, I, got, I have to find a guy who played Slate Wilson. Let me see. I'm looking at this, looking at this up again. I have, to, I have to get his name because he played deathstroke perfectly and he deserve I need to my new Bennett he played Slade Wilson perfectly and you see that slow burn it, you know what it reminded me of watching those two seasons and anyone that listens to this show I know some people have chosen they've they, they either listen to Wednesday show or you listen to uh Uh, a monday show right or some people listen to both but most people pick and choose well i'm a huge wrestling fan the slow burn of seeing deathstroke turn into deathstroke was like seeing that macho man win the wwe championship in wrestlemania 4 at wrestlemania 4 and he's a face the entire time but he's getting slowly but surely jealous of hulk hogan slowly but surely slowly but surely Finally, he turns heel. You want to take me on? I'll beat you man to man for the championship. And he just whacks Hogan with the title. Then you go to WrestleMania 5. Mega powers collide, right? To me, seeing Manu Bidder turn from a mentor to a friend to a frenemy to a just straight out enemy is a thing of perfection. Season one and season two, like I said, those flashbacks, they began to lean on that too much and Liam knew too much. But, oh, my God, see, they were perfect the first two seasons. So the overarching theme of season two is Oliver Queen's trying to get his family back. He's trying to make sure his mom is good. He's trying to make sure his sister is good. He's also trying to protect the city because at first he, gets, he he changed his whole way because he went from killing season one, he killed everybody season one, to now he won't kill. But now you have a villain in, in uh, Deathstroke who remembers what he did. Deathstroke is all hopped up on um, a, a compound that he that they got from the island. I can't remember the name of the compound. Roy Harper ends up getting on it in season three. No, in season two he gets on it. Um, I don't remember. I really don't. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the compound that he was on, but he's filled with it now, and like he's he's out for revenge. And so he says, "Look here, you don't want to kill. You're gonna need to kill." And so, um, but he doesn't kill the entire season. He refuses to, in order, in order to honor Tommy, you know, which he picked the wrong season to not kill. You know, he barely barely got past. Well, also, he's, he, he, this entire thing, you know, Felicity has the feelings for uh, Oliver. Um, Oliver has feelings. He ends up growing feelings for her. That kind of felt forced towards the end of it because you didn't see that. I never once thought that he had feelings for her. And then at the end, he's revealed that he loves her. It was kind of random. I thought it was a ploy. And then in season three, that's the first thing they kick off with is, oh, you know, I want to go on a date with you because I super like you. And I wrote you a letter. Do you like me back? And it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of wackamundo, but okay. Um, but, anyways. Uh, as you get to the climax, there are some cool things that happen. Even if you don't watch the series, you should watch the episode, or at least watch the scene. It's on YouTube, I know for a fact it's on YouTube. Where, uh, Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, he crashes the car that the queens are in. And he takes them hostage. So, like, Oliver wakes up, he's tied up, his mom is tied up, Moira, and his sister is tied up. Speedy and um deathstroke is saying hey you need to choose which one you want you know because all this goes back to shadow when they were stuck on the island shadow fell in love with him and but by time he realized that uh sarah was alive he now is stuck in a a rock in a hard place because now he's a choice to make on the island in a flashback where the guy says you need to choose either shadow or sarah and right before he can kill Sarah, he jumps in front of Sarah and says, no, you won't kill anybody. He says, yes, I will. And he turns and shoots uh, Shadow, who Deathstroke liked. But he never said anything because she liked Oliver. And um, that just that broke him. You know, That mixed with the compound that he had in him. That also mixed with them getting into a minor little fight and then then Oliver stabbing him in the eye just made for a great villain well this scene he has them all they're all on the side of a road you see the, the busted up limousine he's telling him to make a choice. He's Like i'm not making a choice so finally his mom steps up and says you don't have to do this but if you're gonna take me take me and it was so, I, I didn't think he was gonna do it i really didn't when i first saw it but slate was like you have heart that your son obviously didn't get and he sticks a knife right through a sword right through her right in front of his kid, right in front of her kids. So now both parents are dead cold freaking blooded, man. So anyways, um, that was one of the best scenes of the series and especially of that season. And now he's now Oliver has to, he absolutely has to do something. Think about that. That's two major deaths in the in the first two seasons. You know, you, you never you never really get to know the father, so you, you're not invested in him. You get to know Tommy. Tommy's an integral part of season one. He dies. Mora is a se- essential part of seasons one and two. She's she's essential, and he, she's taken. So season two ends with um, them being able to uh, defeat Deathstroke and his army, and um, he gets sent to Liam Yu and he's trapped. Um. And to, and to me, that's where the problems began. Those first two seasons were absolutely stellar. But like anything, you have to evolve. And so they, they, even though it was still the darkest show on the CW, by far, they were trying to lighten the tone up. So in season three, you see the beginnings of The Flash where Grant Gustin. Appears for two episodes him and felicity kind of have a thing and you actually see him getting electrocuted which then leads right to the flash show um with the next year um so you you see that in season three season season three was now all about um protecting his sister so uh it sarah you come to find out is a she's a part of the league of assassins and at the beginning of the season, she's killed. Now, you don't know who kills her. You have no clue. You know, the mystery is not solved. It's like maybe 10, 11 episodes in. Well, anyways, um, maybe not even that many episodes. It might, it might be 10, 11. You find out who it is. It's a brainwashed Speedy. Uh, Malcolm Merlin, who is her father, you find that out in season two, Um, brainwashed her into killing him. Well, Sarah is a part of the League of Assassins. And now that death has to be repaid with a death. Well, he won't tell Rachel Al Ghul who killed Sarah. So he climbs the mountain, goes there, and they have a battle, a sword fight. You no, know, they're both shirts off or whatever. Boom, boom. He loses the sword fight, and he gets psh, in the knife, in the blade, in, in, in the stomach, and he gets kicked off the mountain. And of course, he survives. Um, but everyone thinks, he, everyone assumes he did. But once Raish finds out that he survived the blade of the demon, he's like, he's, he's my heir. He's the only one that can do this. He's my heir. Um, so now the rest of the season revolves around that. It's no longer just about finding out... That he can, now rage can care less who killed Sarah. Now he's like, this is my understudy. This is who I need to train to take over League of Assassins. So the rest of the season is all about that. You have the, the first appearance of Ray Palmer, uh, who then has a relationship with, with uh, Felicity. Who, But the, the entire time, she's really still in love with, with Stephen. Well, uh, Oliver Queen. And they're... That whole thing, which you can ignore, it does become a little annoying. Um, John Diggle gets back with his ex-wife to, and they get married again or whatever. Um, by the end of season three, season three was like, well, I remember I watched season three. And I remember, uh, you know how you listen to some of these actors talk sometimes during um, their interviews. You're like, Ugh, you just sound phony baloney, right? Um, well, I remember Stephen Emile did an interview, and he said, man, this just feels like a serious finale. And season three's ending felt like a serious finale. He quit being Green Arrow. He made so many mistakes in order to take down Rachel Shogul. Their final fight wasn't as epic as I would have thought it would have been. Um, but there were so many moving parts in that season. And they introduced so many new characters. And that's, to me, the same thing I said about power. By the time you hear this, you should hear about the Power of You. When you have a spinoff, and you have multiple spinoffs spinning off of shows, it's just like, ugh. You know, now you have so many different stories to tell with characters you may not even really be invested in. Because I like Brandon Routh as an actor, but I wasn't invested in him enough because I knew he wasn't going to be sticking around very long. So it was constantly like, ugh. I was more invested in those two episodes with Grant Gustin because you can can tell he's going to become The Flash. So you're like, oh, you like holy crap in the cracker? Let's see what you got. You know? Um, season three ends with him kind of just rolling into the sunset. And I had that wrong. Season four is when he comes back and, and, and announces himself as Green Arrow. So for the first three seasons, he does he's he's the hood. But season uh, four is when Cisco, who's on the Flash, then says, he says, Hey, I'm the Green Arrow, blah, blah, blah. Um and season four is all about Damien Dark. Now you never see Damien Dark. In season three, but he's mentioned several times to where he left the League of Assassins and now he's the biggest problem to Rachel goal blah blah blah. And the one moment in season three where you think you're about to see him, he gets to by the time that Rachel Ghoul and uh Team Arrow gets to the hotel he's supposedly at and do an air quotes you can't see me doing that. Um, he's gone. So you never see him until season four. And when you see him in season four, you see him off the jump. You see him in the first episode. You see how you see how much of a problem he is. He has magic, all these other things. Um, season four was just a jumbled mess. We're not gonna spend too much time on that because he he has he he ends up getting magic or l- a little bit of magic because he has too much darkness in him and 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 uh, it, so me. It was like Damien Dark had his own like underground team but they hadn't taken over yet and for some reason they kept delaying their plans even though he was more powerful than all of team arrow in season four I, why he never killed him i didn't really understand um he did end up killing the black canary he did um but she coming back from a different world i'll spare you that in case i do a flash review which then will um but he does kill uh laurel you know that was and at the beginning of the season you see a, a grave. You don't know who the grave is. You know you don't know and but and once again that story that thing is based off of a of a Justice League movie they had planned years ago. That movie it was supposed to be a Justice League movie and when you start off the movie you see members of the Justice League. It's not every member though they were they were smart. I think it was superman or clark kent uh wonder woman and cyborg and they're looking at a grave now that's not even that's that's half the justice league so now it can be anybody right and in this script um they end up fighting dark side and flash in order to save the world he has to run so fast not just through his speed force but he has to run through time as well in the speed force and do certain things. And as he does it, he just, he, he completely implodes and kills himself. So he, he he ultimately had to commit suicide in order to save the earth. So like this was a takeoff of that starting this, this season with who was going to die. And you find out, I think in episode 18 or 19, who it is, I forgot, I forgot the name of the episode, but it was like, I think it was like 1120 or something like that. It was like, it was like the time that they died. And then you find out. And I remember this was like, I know a lot of people had lost hope in Arrow by this time. I, I always watched it. Um, By this time, I remember I was highly invested because to me, I was kind of like, hmm, who, who do you kill off? I thought the entire season is going to be Felicity. I thought, what a blow that would take it back to the old arrow where seasons one and seasons two kills, they meant something and Laurel meant something, but not at that time. Laurel was just very much a side character. You know, you know what I'm saying? She very much was to me, not uh, to me, Diggle or Felicity had to go for it to be a substantial kill. And even then they cheapened it by bringing her back, even though she's from earth two. Um, but yeah like to me when when i seen that and she died for a good reason because he had her dad lance uh he was blackmailing him the whole time and he told me say hey if you cross me i'll kill your i'll kill your daughter and lance crossed him he said remember that killed her right there and then the the, the dialogue she had where she revealed that 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 oliver queen was the greatest love of her life and all this stuff and i was kind of like man It made sense because she never really get, like, even after, like, Tommy died, and, like, I think she was in, like, one relationship after that. Otherwise, she was just a solo Like I said, she became less and less important, you know what I'm saying? Like, and to me, I just didn't think that was a a big enough blow, Um, but it was still a blow, you know, because even then, you find out Diggle's brother is a traitor, so Diggle ends up killing his own brother. You know, so that so psychologically it messed with all of them, you know, the main characters, you know. So it was still a good kill in that regard. But in the other regard, it just man. And once but once again, you take Felicity or Diggle out out, off the chessboard. There is no Oliver Queen. In my opinion, those are the those are to the even when they fought, they kept him sane and vice versa. Those three the original team needed each other. You know? Um so season four ends with an episode called Unthinkable. And I remember that because not Unthinkable, it's, it's called um oh, God dang. It. Let me look it up. <laughs> um yeah, it's just in this episode may go maybe may go over an hour. I'm not rushing this. Um I'm looking at the episode name now. I remember the I remember I can see I can envision the name. I can see the name I just can't remember um I just remember cuz I know it was, a, it was it was based off a comic book. Not, it was like, the name was came from a comic book that I saw that I read before that. I really like the storyline. Um let's see. 3 season 4 Schism. Um And the final showdown, because this is probably one of the few episodes, like, even in season three, he fought Race twice. That was it. Um, Even season one, he fought Dark Archer twice, you know, and the first time you didn't know who Dark Archer was. Season two, he doesn't fight um, Deathstroke as Deathstroke until the very end. Um, But season four, he fights, they have so many fights with, like, like, he is like a, Dr. Robotnik of season four, Damien Dark, because he is literally all over the entire thing and he fights Team Arrow several times. They get the upper hand, they lose it really fast. He has it, he loses it, and like it's just super like it's just super all over the place. Season four was by far, in my opinion, all over the place. I got I, I get the feeling it reminded me of WWE booking, where like they they had this one idea. But then it got so convoluted, they started throwing different crap in there and saying, F -F it. We'll take the hit on this season. You you get what I'm saying? Um, Season 5 then opens with them starting a new team. And Season 5 is pretty much the conclusion of his original arc. So you see the final pieces before he goes home. But he also has a problem because now he has this new dark archer slash killer um who's a hood who's just been stalking him and leaving him messages and it's like he's taking him back to his old crime scenes when he killed people and he doesn't know who it is and then you have this 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 mystery character this this district attorney because now alva queen is mayor um who's the da and so um i want to say they caught me by surprise on that one um surprise is a strong word but it caught me off guard um it was because i i think also at the time i'm better at seeing clues when i'm binge watching and at and and at that time in season five i think i was watching week by week so i would like dvr it and then i wouldn't watch it while i'm DVRing it because because that way i want to fast forward through the fucking commercials so that that's why they got me because i wasn't able to catch the, the 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 easter eggs that they were dropping like anytime someone like he was there anytime someone was dead you know, then eventually, once he reveals himself, the episode there's a ep- great episode, and I'm gonna look this up again because I'm telling you right now, I think you should watch it. It's a psychological mind fuck, and I believe Stephen DeMille said it was one of the hardest episodes he's ever filmed, but it was a great episode, and it's the episode where he said, "I killed because I liked it," and I remember he when he I remember he yelled it out, "I did it, I liked that," and I remember that's what Chase was trying to get him to say. That he is that he wanted to do it, and he finally snapped. He was broken, um, and he actually never defeats him. Duke kills himself, trying to. He kills himself because he can't get him to kill him. So like, he technically loses that one too. But I want I want to look this up because you guys should know the name of that episode because it's the scene is funny in itself if you're watching it right because you can make so so many memes made out of it. However, I think if you watch the entire episode, you'd be like, shh, shh, that was a mind fuck. You know, it was just, it, it, it was very much, um, it was, you know, let me, me, me look at that. Uh, 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 I can't even pronounce this shit. <laughs> it's episode 17. I can't even pronounce this shit though. It's called Kepahushan. I can't pronounce that at all. Um But yeah, it's uh it's spelled like this K-A-P-I-U S-H-O-N. However you say that, um, that's the episode where he's he's captured Oliver Queen, he's torturing him, he's just completely mindful, and he lets him go. Then he just then he just lets him go after he got what he wanted out of him. To me, that's a standout episode of the of the season for season five um as they end up coming to an end i did like the, the montage they did of him calling his mom saying hey it's me i'm alive and to me the the last three episodes those um flashbacks really felt important again um before then it was kind of like uh eh, whatever you know um as we get into season six is really like the fallout um the new villain is uh I, I, don't, I've, I don't think I've ever seen him in comics before um I'm trying to remember his name now let me, let me look him up too uh, um I don't know I want to see his name here for some reason I'm trying to think of who the big bad was because they never actually killed him either um Let me see. Let's see. Is this season six? What season is this? Oh, see? I'm looking at the wrong thing. This is completely terrible, I know. But follow me on this drain for a second. Because I think... because. To me, this can help you maneuver. If you if you decide to watch this show, you can maneuver through a lot of the minutia, a lot of the crap. Um. But pretty much this is like the fallout of what happened on Lee and you when he thought everyone was dead. The only person that ended up dying was, well, first of all, you find out in season three, or season four, excuse me, that Oliver has a kid. Now, the kid is brought up intermittently, and this is something I was telling Jonathan Esther in that that kind of like uh, review I gave him a couple years ago, a few years ago, was you, you need to either make this kid a regular or stop bringing him to bleep up. Because at that point, now you're just using this as, I guess, a sympathy card, but it's not really a sympathy card if the mom doesn't want Oliver to see him. You know what I'm saying? And, um,. I can't find this guy's name, but anyway, it was a big bat for season six. Um, he pretty much has every politician and everyone under lock. So it's pretty much the same thing you saw in season four, except this guy is a little more ruthless because he's just killing people and he has. And he's but he's also trying to get control of this box, and this box pretty much has nuclear codes for the entire world. That that's how that's he has everyone under his thumb pretty much. So anyways, the team falls out. They end up having to get back together because. Uh, for, for a stint, Oliver Queen gives her the Green Arrow suit. Um, but he doesn't know that Diggle has, uh, from the the accident on the Lian Yu, he has a messed up arm. So he's been taking drugs. He's pretty much been a client of the main villain. And two, two people end up getting hurt really bad on the team. And when they find out they have a falling out, they eventually have to come back together in order to beat this guy. And this is when Laurel from uh, World 2... Uh, earth 2 is in, introduced and they don't kill him you know and i don't think they ever actually kill him i think he is still kind of like just wandering in, in the eraverse but i don't think he actually dies because i think he were he, re, he reappears one time in episode in season seven but you don't actually see him you know but season six is really about family it's really about after they came together um in season five to, to deal with the threat of Chase and to deal with uh, to, to deal with the fallout of that, they then had to pick up the pieces because he not just mentally destroyed Oliver Queen, he mentally destroyed them as well. And so now they're all picking the pieces up and they're all blaming each other and they're all they've all lost something. And now you have Earth Two Laurel, who has now killed the love of Dinah's life, because now Dinah is introduced into this, and Dinah and Oliver Queen are so in. It, it, it intertwined in the comic books it takes a little bit getting used to that they're not even like that they're nowhere near that um here um but season six is more about family and more about them breaking up but then the need to slowly come back together it, it does feel like it's a little civil war-ish you know they end up having they end up fighting each other in a couple episodes and it's cool um so i i can see where people some i did see some people that kind of knock that or whatever um but to me that was that was still cool you know because once again they're gonna fight you know they're gonna they're gonna gonna disagree um and so they have to come back together but they're not fully back together you know i'm saying like there's still there's still some fractures there you know um leaving season six but season seven is when they fully come back together um because they had to come back together season six uh at the end of season six it's revealed well Oliver queen makes a deal to save all vigilantes and and to save his friends and he makes a deal to out himself as the green arrow If um was it season seven he did that at the end of season six he did that let's see Mm-mm-mm-mm. ricardo diaz was that villain's name by the way just just remember that yeah in the season six he he outs himself to protect the that's what brings them back together because now diggle does don the green arrow but now he's fully healthy he's fully recovered but that's how he does it. And now that's where you're the Supermax story I told you guys earlier. Really playing it up. And um, he ends up getting out um, on good behavior. And he doesn't even wear the hood anymore. Like when he's, when he, when he's out as green Since everyone knows who he is. He's out his arrow, He doesn't He has the hood like, up now. like You can see his face. But they can't arrest anybody. And the cops can't take him. But they do set up like this vigilante task force and everything. And this is now where you start to see the end of the, the show. Essentially. Because it only went ten episodes in in season eight, and even then, one of those episodes was a spinoff episode for uh, the women of that they were. I don't know if they're still gonna do the show, um, but it's basically basically the canaries um, that they're gonna do shows of. Um, But um, yeah, just uh, season seven was interesting because to me, season seven they got back to being really gritty. I enjoyed season five and six, seven I enjoyed too. Um, I did feel like they got back to certain things. Um how, however, as I said, season seven of Era was really focused around Crisis. And same thing with season the season so season four was also uh for Flash. Like once they introduced because they had Crisis on Earth X the year before. And then they then they had they started setting up for they set The entire time, like I can't speak to Legends. I have not, as I said, I've not seen that yet. But seasons four and season seven of Arrow and Flash were—they had small arcs, but the over arching narrative was Crisis on Infinite Earths. You knew something bad was coming. They did introduce Gotham City in season seven, um, which then introduced Batwoman, uh, the Ruby Rose version. Um, That episode was pretty cool. Now you have Superwoman in here and everything. Um, this season was these seasons were very pivotal because every time you got away from crisis, you you came to it because there was still a flat, there was still a crossover on this where um Oliver Queen and uh, Barry uh, Allen flipped bodies, but like that was to build up to crisis on Infinite earth. So everything, everything in this season was more about just giving closure because now you know. Green Arrow is gonna die. Now, as you get to season eight, the biggest surprise of the crossover was when he died. He died in the first damn hour of the four-hour event. So, and I remember I read an article where Mark Guggenheim said, "Yeah, we, we've already given away he's gonna die. So now the surprise has to be when he's gonna die." And he died at the very beginning, um, and no one knew he made a deal with the Monitor. In order to protect Superwoman and Flash, because they had in the in the crossover, they were going around the world as fast as they can to stop the Earth from spinning. But he could foresee because he had dealt with the Monitor that they were going to die. So he, he put his life on the line for them. Um, he ends up becoming Spectre, and he ends up seeing them through into the rebirth. Um, I can do. Uh, a, a review of that but whatever um, but yeah season 7 and season 8 is really just it's honestly about the legacy of the show at that point that's how I see it um, I would love to know you guys views on that and so we're about to wrap up here anyway but I'll, I'll say the season 7 and season 8 was more about the the legacy of the show and and the characters of it because even in season 8 uh, Emily Beck Rickard just didn't even come in until the final episode um she had she had left before it and now you really just have uh season eight was more of him Oliver queen revisiting old places that the monitor wanted him to go to so he can understand what he's putting what he has to do in order to win crisis on the Earth. so he has to relive a lot of things so he can understand hey you know this is not what this is not one of your normal battles you have to understand this is more important, you know? So to me, season seven and season eight was more about the legacy of the show and and what it's leaving behind and what it has spawned. Cause Smallville started, but without the success of Arrow's first two seasons, like you don't get Flash, you don't get Legends of Tomorrow. You don't get Superwoman. You don't get the. You don't get a uh, Batwoman. You don't get any of that shit without the success of the first two seasons of, of Gr- Green Arrow. So to me, that's its legacy. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it, even though seasons three, seasons four, and half of season five was very terrible, um, very, very, very terrible. Um, but you know what? In, in all of that, I. I In all of that, I appreciate the effort. And I do wish... And obviously the big reveal in the very last episode was... Finally, they paid off as Diggle's moving to Metropolis. Uh, A big green meteorite hits him. He falls into his truck. He gets up and all of a sudden he opens it up and you see this green flash. He's been anointed a a green lantern. Um, You finally get that payoff after everyone it was like the biggest non it's like it's like Janet Jameson walking into a room and saying I've done anal before yeah no shit you know like that's the same thing it was the biggest secret that wasn't the secret we all knew who he was just diggle it just changed the name you know what I'm saying but like if you even if you look at the Easter eggs like like his dad or his stepdad had the last name Stuart and the air and the air uh, and, the, and the, the the jet he used. The fire apology that he used was the same one as Hal Jordan. Like it's just, just stuff like that, you know. So they did finally pay that off. Season ten, I don't even rank it because, like I said, it was all about just the legacy and setting up Crisis. Like the first, even 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 um, the first half of The Flash was all about Crisis. So there's no way for me to do it when you're setting up to such a big event. In my opinion, no, the Crisis event was not perfect. But it was definitely uh, at least an eight out of ten for me. Um, they did a lot of very good stuff on it. Um, that's a, that's a topic for another show. Um, I will say that to me, this show overall was, I would say, hmm, if we're going out of ten, I'll say uh, a six point five out of ten. Um, I, I I was I, was, I think seven is a little too high. Only because you you had those two stellar seasons, and like I said, they they were a victim of their own success, man. They really were. Um, however, those two and a half seasons, man, I, and really let's be fair, it was three. <laughs> they were they weren't good, man. You have two straight seasons, then then you have three just straight losing seasons, dude. The coach gets fired for less, you know. But they came back strong. I do uh, season six, season seven were strong. Season five they had to rebuild the trust. And get back to what they were um but also they had they had a revolving door you know colton haynes left a couple times you know they they, they had a revolving door of people who left and came back left and came back so i get it so i'll give it a 6.5 out of, out of 10 um but lastly i did promise you guys that story i'll tell you guys this story as you guys know i try to keep these shows under an hour i think we're already over an hour so so after i'll tell the story I go C two E two this year, right? And I don't know if I've, I don't know. I think I haven't told this story yet, but we'll see. If if I have told the story, you guys will tell me. So I'm I'm working with uh, an artist doing q and A forum. I'm hosting it, and um, Danny O'Neill, and um, yeah, I just name dropped. You're welcome. Um, and so I'm looking at the list of people now. Anytime I go to these cons and I work them, whether I'm at a table myself, or I'm helping someone else out, whatever it is, I always try to have make time to at least meet one person who, if I if, if there's someone there that I admire, I want to meet them, you know? Um, I, I try to have a little bit of fun at these things, because to me, I used to go there, and I used to go to them, and I've been to plenty where I just would come, go, and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the process. To me, that is a fun job to have when I can do my own creations, pay bills off my creation, my bills off my creations. And then have people who I respect and admire say, hey, can you host my Q&A? That's just, that's just stuff like that is what I dreamed of. So I decided to have to start fun. I looked at the list of C2E2. I was like, man, this is badass. You had Chris Claremont there. You had Jim Lee there. Then I saw Stephen Amell and Emily Beck-Rickards were going to be there. I was like, holy crap on a cracker. I have to meet these two. I have to get something signed. I have to, you know, I, no matter what, I have to make sure I'm there for that, right? It was really one problem. I was only going to be there for one day. <laughs> he only needed me one day. So I was going there on, a, on Friday. So I was like, damn. So, I, so I, I'm asking all this information. like, Hey, when is the panel? When is the blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm looking at times that they're going to be there. And so I'm like, all right. So I finally get told the time. It's like 3 o'clock. I'm like, oh, crap. That's plenty of time, right? Also, it was perfect because Stephen Miller and Emily Beck Rickards are literally right next to each other. So what I decided to do when I first came into the con, get there at 10, boom, get in, boom. They were kind of a mess because like you had to go like five different areas to get your stuff. So you had to go in, I had to get my badge, but then I had to go somewhere else to get my other badge. So I had a badge that was for me and for my panel, but then I had to go somewhere else to get the badge for the other panel. And I was like, that makes no sense. Why aren't they in the same place? Anyways, boom, boom. So I go, I finally get there at 10.30. So I'm like walking around, I just happened to see Chris Claremont. My like, holy oh, crap, you know. And his his line isn't really long. Um, it beca- it got to be fucking long, but I was like one of the first ones there. Got a picture with him, autographed with him. It was super freaking cool. Find out that Jim Lee canceled his Friday night and wasn't gonna be there until Saturday. So that that was out because so I'm gone. I actually I literally flew in. I I, I was at I, I literally worked thursday at somewhere else at a different con got on a plane in chicago got there at two o'clock in the morning went to sleep woke up and left saturday morning at like four in the morning that's how my crazy my schedule was like for those three days well anyways steven mill comes out he's already he's spending quite a bit of time with people emily bickert emily Rickards comes out she comes out really late um not really late but like late you know um and so, you see, you could tell people are doing the same thing I'm doing. They're getting an autograph from him, then going over to her. So, her line's not really that long. So, she's, like, knocking her stuff out. So, by the time I got over there, it was, like, a 10-15 minute wait. F that, you know. When it was, like finally get to Stephen Mill. Well, I, I had McFarlane, the first wave of figures he did, when he re, when he got the DC toy line, the multiverse line, he put a Stephen Mill Green Arrow figure in there based off the TV show. Why he did that, I'll never know. But he did it. So, I'm not a big fan of 7-inch, 8-inch scale figures. To me, they remind me of statues. I'm not a fan of statues. There's no articulation. There's nothing to really do with it. To. I'm just like, give me an action figure I'm good. Like, if they stay the 6-inch scale, that's perfecto for me. They don't need to be bigger. I mean, Mezco makes bigger. That's a whole other t- topic, though. Anyways. I gave it to him, and that's why I hand it to him. He's like, "Holy!" He's like, "His exact words are, holy fuck! Where'd you get this from?'" It's like, like, "Oh, McFarlane reacquired DC's multiverse toy line. That's the first way of urinate." So he looks at me and he sees a kid. So his smile goes to like this angry look now, and he looks over at his handler and he's like, "Excuse my language, but shouldn't I fucking know about stuff like this so I can promote it and so I can like get something from it?" And so the so then the handler's like, "Yeah, you should, you know," and so. He's, like, looking at it, like, he's intensely now looking at this action figure. He's like, that Quiver is cool. He's like, yeah, I actually got two of them. He's like, why two? I said, because I'm working, I'm actually working right now, but, like, once I seen you were here, I had to meet you, but I actually wanted to open one, because once I saw the Quiver, I said, that's freaking cool. And so he was like, okay, that's cool, whatever. And and so he he looks at me, uh, and and so he looks at me, he's like, yeah, and he seems super cool at first, but then, like, he, like, then he, like, looks down, he looks up. And he gives me this biggest fuck off look. (laughs) Now, mind you, I even though I just said I tend to go out of my way, like I don't go out of my way like I did for this. Like anyone that knows me can tell you, I've been a huge fan of Stephen Amell playing this character. So he's the only person actually went went out of my way. I had to make sure that everything was perfect in order to meet him, right? So he's pretty much not giving me like this fuck off look, and I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck did I do wrong? So I'm like looking at there's like this dad and this kid behind me. And, like, I was like, yeah, you know, I wish you the best with heels, blah, blah, He's like, yeah, 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 thanks. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, no, he's completely motherfucking me because I brought him an action figure he didn't know about. So I'm like, yo, this is, like, my first time. It's a, I as like, this is, like, my first time having a bad experience with a celebrity. You know, like, usually, and it's funny because I've met tons of them. And, like, any time I've met them, like, I met Randy Orton before, right? And people hate meeting Randy Orton. Like, I've heard... Horror stories about what Randy Orton has done to fans, right? Like pretty much just like mother bleeping him, right? So we're at this car show in DC, me and my my homie B, and um (laughs) and like I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm not because because I've heard these horror stories, I'm like I I didn't even want to meet him. We we were at the car show, we knew he was gonna be there, and B was like, dude, man, the autograph is free. Let's just meet this motherfucker, man. I was like, I don't really want to do that, homie. <laughs> he was like, Let's just meet him. I was like, ah. I was like, All right, cool. So we wait in line. I get up there. I'm like, Hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this. It's like, Thanks, man. And he's like talking to me, and I'm like, All right, he's not motherfucking me. I'm looking around. No, I just know that you're taking to like no man. I appreciate the fans. Blah blah. blah. Send the third. You know, generic bullshit talk, right? But he's super nice to me. So as I'm leaving, the ho- my homie B's behind me. My homie, my homie B- <laughs> he walks up. He's like, man. He, he slaps his picture of Randy Orton. And he's like, man. Can't believe they fucked you on, on on Wrestler of the Year. And he gets Randy all around. I was like, man, it's a fucking company, man. I won't believe that bullshit too. So he he signs it. And now we ha- now Brandon has. Randy's completely fucking riled up, so now he's like looking at security, saying, "Man, get this guy!" Out of here. He literally does that. I'm like, "What the fuck just happened?" He just like snapped like that, you know. so I saw it. And he, 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 but I was like, I, he was like super nice with me. He was trying to talk to me, and I just wasn't, I wasn't having it because I didn't, I didn't want to have the smoke as the kids say, right. So anyways, like, is like, completely motherfucking me now. I, I put my hand up to shake it. Like, he's just, like, looking at me with the angriest look because I showed him this action figure he had no clue about. Like, it's my fucking fault. And I was like, all right, cool. So, so as soon as I pull my hand back, I'm like, all right, cool. Nice to meet you, sir. And so he kind of, like, he's, and so I think he realizes that, like, he's motherfucking the wrong person. And so he kind of, like, you you see his face go from, like, super angry to, like, he, he kind of, like, snaps out. He shakes his head. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. And I walk away. So then I get, I go right next door to Emily Beck records. I'm like right next to her, right next to him. And so, literally, I have an action figure of her. It's one of these generic DC selects. I hate the DC select, I hate any select figure. But it's the only figure of her, right? Of her likeness. So, like, I, I walk up, and I felt like... Uh, Kramer or Jerry or Newman in the soup line with the soup Nazi. I'm sitting there now. Now I don't want to say shit. Because now I'm like, man, I'm not trying to have my mood ruined. If she says motherfuck me, my mood's going to be ruined. Because now i went on my way to meet these two people and both of them have completely motherfucked me. So I literally put my figure down. She's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. Thanks. Like I'm looking around. Like, she like looks at her handler or her best friend or whatever it was. It was her best friend, I think, and she's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Great, thanks." And I'm trying not to even look at her because like I'm just completely like, "Yo, I'm just trying to get out of here with my autograph, blah blah blah." Right. So she literally writes on my autograph. No bullshit, she writes in my autograph. Really? Are you sure you're okay? Like she puts her name, but on on my on my uh, action figure, she says, "Really? Are you sure you're okay?" And I, I, I'm grabbing like, "Thanks," and like she as, as I'm grabbing it from her, she's holding on to it, right. And I'm like okay, so I'm trying to pull it by rush. She's doing it on purpose. And I look down, and I read it, and I look. And I'm saying I'm good, thanks. And like she looks over at Stephen, Emil, and like and, and she's like, did he say something? I was like, no. I I'm, I really have to go. I'm I'm busy at work. And I grab my fix. So next me. It's like thanks, thanks me, you too. And I leave. Right? What? Because once again, it wasn't her fault, but I didn't want to be motherfucked again. Right? So it was that's the funny story I had. About my experience meeting them, and it's funny because at the top of the year or December of last year, so almost a full year now, I had texted Jonathan Esther and said, "If I have a chance to meet Stephen Mill in 2020, I'm going to take it, no matter where he is." This is before I knew I was going to C2E2. I didn't know I was going to C2E2 until I say January, because I wasn't planning on going there because I had I had to be it. had to actually be at the other con. And my plan was to be there all weekend. I think I was in, where was I? Was I in Texas? I was in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't planning on going anywhere else, you know. And I just told Jonathan Esther in December, I said, hey, if I, meet, if I get a chance to meet Stephen DeMille, I'm going out, to, I'm all, I'm all in the meeting. He's was like, yeah, man. If, 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 I, if I see him at any of my cons around my way, because he, he lives in California, I'm going to tell you. It's like, all right, cool. A month later, I found out I'm gonna see him, and that's how that went. It went t- terrible. It was the worst experience I've ever had with someone I've met, and I, I've heard t- billions of terrible stories with, with celebrities, but that was my terrible story. And it's unfortunate because I really wanted to meet them. So, anyways, that is the show for this week. That is the arrow review. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. All these episodes have been pre-recorded, like in the, 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 the week of Thanksgiving, so like your Wednesday shows are set for the rest of the year. I hope you I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um if anything does pop up, I will try to do cold opens to it. Um something did pop up and now that I'm thinking about it, I will do a cold open to it. But by the time you guys hear it, it'll be because I as I as I record this, I just upload like three different episodes for a Wednesday show. I think I'm covering to like December 9th. But I have shows for the rest of the year. So anyways, that is the show. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. I'm out of here.